Hello to everyone joining us live stream. I know we've got some people checking in on us. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you guys for being here. I tell you, it was quite a week. I don't know if you felt it. I had a lot of ups, like I got to connect with some people in the community this week. There was this new running group that started, walking group that was really cool in the neighborhood. But then I heard about a friend who lost her dad. And that brought me down. And then, and then I had a really good day with my daughter. After school, I picked her up, and that was really great. And then, man, every day on the news, I kept seeing video after video. I don't know if you guys saw it. There's just so much going on in our country, so much disruption, so much violence. And at one point, I was like, forget it. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to walk away. And I went to the zoo because there's tulips at the zoo. And I just sat for literally a half an hour. I went in at 4.30, zoo closed at 5. I walk in and she's like, we're closing soon. I was like, I just want to see tulips. She's like, there you go, right here. So I just sat and looked at tulips because I needed to breathe. And sometimes we need that, right? There's so much going on. Sometimes we need to just turn it all off for a little bit. And that's okay. And you know what? We're not alone in feeling this way. There are studies that show that All of these things that are coming at us, all this stuff we've experienced already in the pandemic and being uh, dealing with disease and dealing with isolation. And then when we see news after news report after news report that people are, are killing one another, that can cause trauma. It can cause what's known as indirect trauma for some people. Because it can trigger the reactions of memories that have gone on in your life. Or it can just bring about anxiety and fear that this could happen to you. And so sometimes we just need to take a break. In fact, there's one quote here by Lisa Ferenz. She's a clinical social worker who specializes in trauma. And after the U.S. Capitol, uh, people stormed the Capitol in January, she said, when our brains and our bodies are repeatedly subjected to the visual imagery... This exacerbates feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, anxiety, anger, and divisiveness. Those are heavy things. Those are heavy things. And I know people were feeling that this week. On Thursday, there was a mass shooting at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis. And Dr. Dean Kilpatrick said, that not just people who had loved ones in the facility, not just people who knew people who worked there, but he said the entire city of Indianapolis and any city that experiences a mass shooting says a lot more people were indirectly exposed than were directly exposed, and the entire city increased the risk of anxiety, post-traumatic stress, and depression because you, it happened where you live and work and walk. And that is heavy. And then when the news emerged of the shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she just asked everyone to just please wait till more details came. But she understood that seeing such traumatic events could cause people lack of trust. And she said, we live in a city traumatized by a long history of police violence and misconduct, but she says, it's certainly understandable why many residents feel an all too familiar surge of outrage and pain. So she understood where people were and then said, please stay with us. 
we're going to build again. So sometimes we need to recognize that as we sit in the midst of this pain, we have to know that as we go through it, we're not alone. And our when we look at scripture and we read about the cross as we're taking communion, just like Steve said, it's like, why are we celebrating death? Because it brings, it's the next step of new life for us. But when we open scripture today, and as we read about Jesus's friends who saw him go to the cross, we have to recognize that they experienced trauma. They experienced the violent death of their friend, of their leader. And so that I hope we can put that in perspective as we read about real people who felt real things. And I know this is a, it's a heavier, it's a heavier series. We tried to put some light peanuts comic for your entertainment instead, but good grief because we are all experience grief. There are traumas you've gone through that I can't even fathom, but we all can process together. We're not alone. And today, Today, we're going to read about a man named Thomas who is a disciple of Jesus, and we're going to watch how Jesus walked him through grief that appeared as doubt. If you want to turn with us to John 20 today, we've got pew Bibles, or we'll have the verses on screen, grab your favorite app. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, John 20, and I'm going to begin in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So first I feel like Thomas must have had some major FOMO. He is missing out. I know he didn't believe that they actually saw Jesus, but they saw something together. Maybe it was a cool ghost or whatever, but his friends were all together, yet he wasn't there. That had to feel disappointing, right? Maybe he just felt like alone. Like, why didn't they invite me over that day? Second, notice how Thomas, he spoke of touching Jesus's hands, his wounds. If you recall, on Easter Sunday, we said that Jesus appeared to the disciples behind a locked door, He showed up and said, peace be with you. He showed them his hands. And so Thomas didn't experience any of what they did. And he's like, fine, you guys got to see his hands. I'm not gonna believe till I touch his hands. Like he's like one-upping, like sending that out into the universe. Let's see if God hears me or not. Well, let's find out. Oh, not gonna read the next verse. Yes, let me talk about doubt. Because if you guys have ever been in church before, if you've ever heard Thomas's name, you might have heard him called Doubting Thomas. Like that's a lovely nickname. But you probably hear the word doubt connected to Thomas's name. Now, as we were saying, he has just gone through a lot. And so I want to dig in to what Thomas was saying here and look, because I think that when we say doubt, it can mean a lot of things, but it feels pretty nuanced to me. Thomas just watched his friend and teacher be arrested by law enforcement, given the death penalty by the government, and yet Jesus was innocent. That brings pain. That brings fear that he might be next by being connected with this guy. That brings distrust of the systems that were in place right there. Can you feel that in our country right now? There is pain, there is fear, and there is distrust. 
because things have happened and that have hurt people in different communities. And when other people hurt, we need to hurt with them and recognize that this trauma is happening to our brothers and sisters. So that's where Thomas is. I don't think he's just mouthing off. I think he's uncovering the fact that he's hurt. It hurts to watch someone you love be in pain and to die. And so when you feel the weight of trauma, of pain and fear and distress, when that's weighing on your shoulders, at some point you may crumble. And it's very human to do that. It's understandable. But when you crumble, that's when the doubt can start sinking in. But there's all kinds of doubt. There's self-doubt. You start questioning yourself. You start losing your own confidence. There's doubt in other people's trustworthiness. Like, I can't trust anyone anymore because it's just too hard. What if they fail me? There's also doubt of, like, your faith. Like, what does this all mean? And I feel like growing up in church, and I heard about Thomas, like, probably ever since I was, like, one of these little kids back here in our class. And you learn about Thomas, and Thomas doubted, and that was bad. But, like, reality, guys, I don't feel like Thomas just doubted in Jesus' capabilities. Like he lived with this guy. He saw what he could do. Maybe he wasn't like thinking, no, I don't believe Jesus can raise from the dead. Maybe Thomas was doubting that new life was even possible because he just watched the life drain out of Jesus' body. Maybe Thomas, maybe he doubted that he could trust in any system anymore because the system he was in just took his friend away from him. Maybe Thomas doubted the possibility of joy, like he couldn't even imagine anymore because his pain was too deep. Maybe Thomas doubted that he could ever hope again. Those are the doubts that I see when I look at Thomas as a real person and think of what he was experiencing in this moment. Because when the other disciples were like, yes, Jesus is alive again, Thomas has probably put up these barriers in his heart because he's like, if I believe you and it's not true, that's gonna hurt even more. And I know you guys can feel that. I know you guys listening to these words, your trust has been broken before. Your pain has hurt too much to hope again. That's where Thomas is. And it was okay because Jesus showed up. Let's read how Jesus responded to this grief of Thomas that was coming out in the form of doubt. Verse 26, a week later, a week later, Thomas has been holding on to this grief for a week. The disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. First notice, Jesus did it all over again. A week ago, on Sunday evening, the disciples on Easter evening, they were hiding behind a locked door out of fear. And we read, Jesus showed up. He said, peace be with you. He showed him his hands. And he does the exact same thing. 
Because he gave Thomas the chance to experience that wonder all over again. Everything he had missed out on, Jesus is like, I'll do it again for you. That's how much Thomas meant to him. That Jesus would do it all over again. And beyond that, did you see? He didn't just show him his hands. He knew Thomas was seeking physical proof. So Jesus gave it to him. He said, here, you can touch. I know that's what you need. And I know that we talk about, we read words in scripture and we don't know their tone and we can only do our best to try to guess it. And sometimes you can read, stop doubting and believe. That's harsh. It's harsh. <laughs> Jesus did all this. He went through all this effort and then he may yell at him. Like, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't feel right. What if, what if in the moment when Thomas is touching Jesus's hand, what if Jesus just whispers so that nobody else can hear? Stop doubting. You can believe. Was Thomas's hand shaking when he dared touch his rabbi? Were there tears in his eyes when he realized this was true, this was real? Were there tears in Jesus's eyes because he saw the moment when Thomas let go of that trauma he was holding and he just let the doubt fall. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. What else can you say? Let's see Jesus' words in response to this new life that Thomas was now experiencing. Jesus said in verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is one of those scriptures where I feel like I am seen. It's speaking to me and you right here in the Bible because I feel like it's kind of like when, when a character is like doing a play and then they break the fourth wall and they talk right to the audience, right to the camera. Jesus is talking to Thomas, but yet he's looking through the future to everyone who would come after him. And Jesus is looking at us here today and saying, believing when you can't see, I know it's hard to do, but you're doing it and you'll find joy. Blessed are we. We will find joy when we can hold on to that belief. And if you can hold on to the belief of new life today, that's gonna bring joy. But if you can't, if you are struggling, if you are in that place right now of trauma, indirect or direct, if you're feeling more Thomas today, that's okay too. Because Jesus didn't condemn Thomas for his doubt. He showed up to help him walk through it. And in Jude chapter one, verse 22, it's at the end of the New Testament. Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. Believing during and after trauma is hard. It may not come right away, and that is okay. Be merciful to others. Be merciful to ourselves when we doubt. That's our challenge today. Two challenges. One, let's be merciful to others. As we look at the way Jesus helped Thomas and he repeated the whole thing that he had done before for the other disciples, there's gonna be times when there are our friends and we're walking with them through dark, heavy times. 
And we might have to repeat ourselves. We might need to say words more than once. We might need to demonstrate actions more than once because they need to hear it over and over until they can grasp that hope again. There might be times when you need to believe for someone else. You need to tell them what you see in their lives and in their future that they can't grasp yet. Believe for them until they can believe too. That is our challenge as we're merciful for others. We need to remind people that Jesus' resurrection, it does mean new life for us too. But in order to walk with others, in order to process with them, in order to speak to them and demonstrate love to them, we gotta notice people, don't we? We gotta look outside of ourselves and look around and pay attention. When something is bothering someone, you can, you can see it if you're looking. Let's ask, let's reach out. If someone disappears for a while, let's check in. Let's see if they're going through something that we don't know about. If something happens on the news and you know that that could cause some indirect trauma for some other people in your life, please check in. I'm gonna tell you the story of a podcast I listened to this week called Human Hope by ministry leader Carlos Whitaker. And he said he is a man that is Latino and black and he says, when things happen, I want people to check in on me. And he has an audience who listens to the podcast and a lot of our white people. And he was saying, I'm going to ask my black friends here on the air how they're feeling. And I want you to do the same. So he asked his friend, EJ Gaines, how was your week? Here's what EJ said. The human side of it whispers this lie to you as a black person in America that you're alone, that they are the enemy. And we all deal with that lie, right? Whether you're white, they're the enemy. If you're black, they're the enemy. Someone else is always the enemy. But it's not true. And he said when people check in on him, those lies dissolve. That he feels seen and loved. So there may be times when things are happening in our country. Let's check in on other people. And the second thing I said we needed to do, be merciful to others. Let's be merciful to ourselves. Thomas doubted. He asked for evidence. I think it's okay to ask God for evidence sometime because I think it's out there and I think God wants to show us evidence that new life does exist. But when we ask for it, let's look around for the answers because the response may surprise us. If I am asking God, is new life even possible because it looks awful around here? And then a friend of mine went on a walk this week And she sent me this picture, life growing where it didn't look possible. Sometimes the evidence that you need is just beauty growing in unexpected places. And sometimes the evidence you need is the person who shows up to walk with you, who texts you to say, are you okay? That's evidence from God to say that he believes in new life, that he provides new life, and we are for that for one another. So let's be merciful to others. Let's be merciful to ourselves. Give us grace. It's gonna take a bit. It's not gonna be easy. But Jesus is with us. He is not leaving our side. And until we can hope again, he holds out hope to us. And we can hold that hope 
for other people. I'm going to spend just a minute, a minute as we close. I just want to, it's going to be silent. I want to say a couple of names, and I want you to think about people, and I want you to pray for them right now. As we close, I want you to consider some of the tragedy you may have heard about on the news this week. And, and I first want to take a few seconds and pray to God for all those who lost loved ones this week. People in Chicago, people in Minnesota, people in Indianapolis, people we don't even know about who lost loved ones this week in a very unexpected tragic way God be with them I want you to think about a friend who might have also seen the news this week and might have seen someone who looked like them on the screen and and wondered am I safe in my setting God show us who we need to reach out to this week who has experienced indirect trauma that we need to go check in on God Bring those people to mind. And finally, if you are experiencing trauma right here today, indirect or direct, there's something that's just weighing you down. Let's pray for the strength to look for evidence that God is present. Pray for strength to respond when someone texts and asks if you're okay. Pray for strength to be honest to say, no, I'm not. Can we talk? God, thank you for bringing new life. Thank you for holding hope when we don't feel like we can. And thank you for giving us evidence that you care and that you have a hope and a future made for us. Amen.